Welcome to People's Church Podcast. In the announcements, uh, Lynn mentioned that the table groups coming up during the 40 days in the Word are going to be beginning. It's going to be September 14th. And if you're already planning on uh, joining us, then that's great. I'll look forward to seeing you. But I want to take a few moments before we begin uh, the, the sermon this morning just to appeal to anyone here who is either considering, still considering coming, or at this point uh, you're, you're not planning on coming at all. I've come up with six reasons for you to show up, although there are many more. Reason number one, you'll learn how to navigate and interact with the Bible. You guys have the, the on-screen stuff there? All right. You'll learn how to navigate and interact with the Bible. This can be a very intimidating book at a glance. It's big, it's thick, there's a lot of words, a lot of stories, a lot of different stuff going on in there. But if you join our midweek table groups, you'll learn how to glean wisdom from the pages and how to apply that wisdom to your life with the help, of course, of the Holy Spirit. You'll learn several methods of studying to help you get the most out of each interaction with God's life-changing word. Second reason, your confidence in the authority of the Bible will increase. The Bible has always been the most attacked book in history, and today is no exception. Truth is under attack big time today, and through this study, you'll learn how to stand solid in the truth while the world tries to inundate you with lies. You will learn the validity of the Bible historically, scientifically, and prophetically. Its truth and authority cannot be disproven. Third reason, you become what you are committed to. This is a fact of life. So if you start committing to healthy things in your life, you're only going to get healthier. Fourth reason to show up, Peoples is a local church that has a fairly large number of members. And this can actually make it sort of difficult to make connections with people. Here, you'll make connections with other like-minded Christians. This is a big deal in the life of the believer as we need each other in order to be successful. The fifth reason to show up, learning more of God's truth will enable you to dismantle the lies and again stand firm in a chaotic world. The word of God is described as being a double-edged sword that can cut between both soul and spirit, both bone and sinew. It is the ultimate weapon for the Christian in order to stand firm in truth and not be swept around in society's crazy ideas. I don't know about you guys, but just when I think this world can't possibly reach another level of insanity, they go ahead and prove me wrong, like pretty much daily. Lastly, the sixth reason, Your life isn't meant to be about you. It's bigger than you. Your children need truth from you. They're targeted more than you in today's world of information. And how are you supposed to lead them in truth if you don't know the truth yourself? And not just children, but anyone in your life, your friends, your relatives, even your coworkers would greatly benefit from you being more learned in the things of God. So please, it's only six weeks. Be brave 
put yourself out there and just commit, and then follow through. Not only will it make you stronger as an individual, but your family and this church will also become stronger. So please, seriously consider this. All right, on to the sermon. So it's Labor Day weekend, which means many of you get a day off tomorrow, right? Woo! (laughs) And that is precisely the word that we're gonna focus on this morning, the word labor or work. Labor is defined as this, to work hard, make great effort. To have difficulty in doing something despite working hard. It's work. Work is a word that most of us don't really love. Some of you actually love it a little too much, but most of us here sort of shy away or get a little uncomfortable when we hear that there's work to be done. We equate it to 40 plus hours counting down the days until the next weekend. Why? Why is it such a negative word in our minds? Because work means cost. It costs you something when you work. It either costs time, energy, money, or all of the above. To get something done, you have to put in effort to see to it that it succeeds. And that's not comfortable, and it's often not fun. So we'd rather just avoid it altogether if possible. But there are many reasons why we try to avoid work. There's just plain old laziness. There's distraction. How many of you guys have a, a, an iPhone here? It's okay. It's, it's basically admitting that you're a grown up. Do you guys get that little weekly reminder of how much screen time you've put on? How do you feel when that pops up? I got it this morning while we were rehearsing before service and I was like, oh, oh no. Distractions. Another reason why we avoid work, there's feeling overwhelmed. In our backyard, we have an awesome, awesome sized backyard and uh, in the summertime, spring, summer, we plant a big garden. The wife wanted, different garden beds with little trails winding through them, and so of course that was a lot of work for me. But um, there's one garden bed in particular, it's kind of like the secondary garden, like we put extra stuff in there, like we already have carrots here, but we'll throw some carrots in here, some lettuce, even though we've got it going on over here as well, um, just for backup or extra or whatever. And this is the one garden bed I just sort of ignore, and you should see it right now. It's like. You can kind of see maybe some carrots, but it's like up to here in weeds. And I don't know, it's like from here to here long and yay wide. Every now and then I walk by it and look at it and just instantly look away. I'm like, nope, not today. Even though like it's not hard. It would take some time, it's tedious work, but it's not hard. But I just avoid it. Fear, fear is another reason why we avoid work. Some people are afraid of failing. They're so afraid of failing that they won't even begin the work that they know they need to get done. And I've done this with uh, carpentry projects around the house, uh, as I've, I've told you before. I can screw some boards together well enough, but nothing I ever put my hands to 
turn out square or level. So I'll often just putter around the house doing all kinds of little jobs and chores here and there just to avoid that one main project that I know needs to get done. Why? Because I'm afraid it won't turn out good enough or I'll ruin it. Work. Imagine living in a world where nobody avoided doing work and not just like their job, like their vocational work, but like any work in general. Going even further out there, imagine living in a world where everyone enjoyed doing work. And when I say enjoyed, I mean imagine if doing work filled everyone with joy. Now you're probably thinking, you shut that mustache mouth, Jonesy. (laughs) That's straight up crazy talk, nonsense, malarkey. Is it though? This is what we're going to discuss a little bit today because whether you like it or not, you were created to spend your entire, sorry, you were not created to spend your entire life on the beach or the golf course. You were not, okay? Don't take that. You were actually created to work, to accomplish something, to get things done. By the way, a little side note question for you. Have you ever noticed that after a week or two of vacation, you just start to feel like, okay, I kind of feel like it's time to get back to work. You know, I've been sitting around doing nothing or whatever, and there's things that gotta get done. I just feel like I, I wanna be back at work. Anyone ever experienced that before? It's just sort of in us to be drawn to accomplishing worthwhile things. And it's not accidental. It is by design. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were created to do his work. Now this is where the beauty of being a Christian comes in because as I mentioned earlier, doing work costs us. But here's the deal. When we do anything in life God's way, we find that no matter how physically taxing the task may be, there is this spiritual fulfillment that we experience that trumps anything else. Because when we've performed tasks God's way, there's always this incredible thing called purpose behind them. He may include your place of work in the work that he has for you, but it's much bigger than just your job. And it's much more fulfilling than a paycheck. But why should I want to do any work, including God's work? I mean, this life is already difficult enough. I already work hard just to get by. Why should I want to include God's work in my already taxed life? Well, number one, God's plan for this world, for whatever his reasons are, is the church. That's you, that's me, there is no plan B. So the train is leaving with or without you. Second, if you know anything about God, He doesn't operate the way human beings do. Surprise! In case you haven't noticed. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And in God's realm, most things are turned upside down in comparison to humanity. For example, 
The more you give of your life for Christ's sake, the more life you seem to find. If you're increasingly generous for Christ's sake, the more you will be given. It makes no sense from a human, human standpoint. From a human standpoint, it should work the opposite. It should be the more you give away of anything, the less you have, right? I remember when I first started serving here at People's in the youth group, how physically run down I would be by the end of the summer camps that we'd put on. I would usually be sick and in bed for about four or five days after, just trying to recover from these camps because uh, everything for two straight weeks was just go, 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 go. But internally, emotionally and spiritually, I'd never felt more alive. A sense of purpose and accomplishment and fulfillment and joy completely overshadowed the physical ailment I was going through. So I decided to reach out to one of our youth leaders, current youth leaders, who just got back from two weeks of camps, just to confirm this. And here's what one of our young men had to say after working both the junior and the senior high camps there a couple weeks ago. He said, physically, I was tired and beat up. The kids ran me hard, and two weeks outdoors in the heat takes a toll, especially with the kids' high energy. Gee, teenagers with high energy, hmm. So physically run down. Emotionally, and in particularly with the senior youth, I was able to really relate to the struggles they were going through since I'm not much older and have just recently dealt with all the high school stress and such. It allowed me to give them advice to questions and concerns with their struggles with mental health and navigating their spiritual walk through the trenches of high school. I agree with that term, the trenches of high school. This advice helped myself even as I got the chance to really think about what I went through and I'm currently going through, and I noticed that as I told them this stuff that I should also be doing it. Reaching out to pastors, friends, finding good habits, things like that. This really helped me to look inwards. It was such a nice, unexpected result. So physically, emotionally, now spiritually, he says, camp brings out the best in your soul. It's a great atmosphere and often where I feel the most connected to the Holy Spirit. When I was going through as a youth, I sensed his presence and, feel, and that feeling came back just as strong being a leader. Being able to worship my heart out by singing was amazing. The prayers other leaders and I would have over the boys for junior and senior were incredible. We could feel God standing there with us, holding us, just as we were holding each other. The small groups, again, especially with the senior group, the senior youth, as they were able to go deeper into topics and also had more questions and ears to hear, etc., was such an amazing opportunity to bestow some wisdom that I have gathered onto them. It brought us closer as brothers in Christ, and not only the kids, but it brought me and the other leaders closer together. Talking about our struggles and then teaching the boys how God wants us to work through them. But probably the, the best of all, we got to share with them how much God loves us. More than anything. I always felt amazing after our small groups 
because of the work I could see being done inside these boys' hearts. Isn't that amazing? It's really a mystery how he makes this work in our lives. Although after meditating and reading on it, I think I understand why this is the case. There's probably way more to it than what I figure, but doing God's work makes me become more like Jesus. Doing God's work makes me become more like Jesus. Where Jesus is, there you will find life. When you're becoming more like Jesus, you are becoming more alive. This explains why this young man's feeling, or why this young man is feeling so charged up. He's experiencing more of Jesus' life. Philippians 2, verse 3 to 5 puts it this way. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, says, Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. When we become more like Jesus, we become more alive. He came to serve, and that's a very key word right there. God invites us to serve one another, and when we serve one another, we serve God himself. We are not slaves to God. Do you guys catch that? We are not slaves to God. He's not a slave driver. Rather, he invites us to be a part of his good and loving, gracious work in the lives of other people. It's an open invitation. Which brings us to this question. What if I don't want to do God's work, but attend only to my own work? If this is the position that you're inclined to take, then you might as well rephrase the question like this instead. What if I'd rather my life end in utter ruin and disaster than fulfillment and success? (laughs) Remember King David? In 2 Samuel 11 verse one, it says this. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David was a king, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. King David decided to sit this one out and leave all the work to the rest of his men. And if you recall, this led to him going for a little stroll on the roof of his palace, taking notice of a woman named Bathsheba taking a dip in a rooftop tub, which led to an adulterous affair, the murder of her husband as David tried to cover the affair up, and ultimately the death of David and Bathsheba's son, all because he decided to leave the work up to other people. You've probably heard that saying, idle hands do, anyone? The devil's work, right? You've probably heard this, that's that's not in scripture, okay, that's just a saying. Idle hands do the devil's work. It sure does speak to our human nature. If we aren't keeping ourselves busy with good, admirable, healthy, godly work, 
we will easily find trouble for ourselves to get into. Have you ever noticed that? Like, how did I get here? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How did I get here? It's when we decide to sit this one out. Psalm 127, verse one and two says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Basically, if you want to lead a meaningless life, leave God out of it. Everything you do is going to be in vain. But, but verse two in particular, I'm going to read that again. It says, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. It's referring to chasing the things that don't matter, leaving God aside and just focusing on the things that just don't matter. You could be the most rich, powerful, popular, famous person on this planet. Seriously, think about that. Think about what that would entail. Think about being the most rich, powerful, famous person on this planet. You'd have that for a time. But what good will that do you in the pits of hell? Last time I checked, there isn't one person breathing today who isn't one day going to be not breathing anymore. And all your money, all your fame, all your possessions, heck, even your body stays behind when your soul leaves. You become a person in hell with nothing but eternal torment who used to possess some things. They weren't even yours to begin with. Because everything in creation belongs to God. Every dollar, every material thing, all of the mansions, all of the castles, all of the fancy palaces built to date belong to God. They don't belong to the people that own them. And let's just say you could, through hard work and persistence, acquire the whole world. Is it really worth more than your soul? You'd have it for a time, and then it's gone. On top of all this, when God decides to wrap everything up, you know, at, at the end, when the story's done, before the new creation of heaven and earth, everything in this world is gonna burn. The Bible says this, this world's gonna be destroyed anyways. But go ahead and toil. Leave God out of it. Toil away before sunrise and well after sunset. Those who follow Jesus will be sleeping soundly because they understand that only the work that the Lord has for them is the work that truly matters and it will have an eternal impact. Now please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't work hard to be successful. Success is not a bad thing, it's a great thing. We should aim to be successful. I'm saying work hard to be successful with the right perspective. If God wants to use your position or financial success to accomplish his work, then allow him to do so with a joyful heart. Say, yeah, God, it's yours, yeah, let's do it. 
If God has allowed you to acquire fame or many possessions so that you can be of service to those in need, do so with a joyful heart. Okay, God, who can I share with today? In Colossians 3, chapter 3, verse 23 through 24, Paul says this. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's perspective. Do I have anyone here this morning who's been a Sunday school teacher before? Ooh, so many of you. You're brave. You are brave. Oh, Lynn, yeah, I can hear you laughing in the back there. Fun Friday nights? Yeah, okay, you enjoy that. Do I have anyone here who's ever been a youth leader before? Come on, come on. Okay, awesome. A few less of you, but that's okay. That's to be expected, teenagers. Has anyone here ever helped with food or set up or tear down for a funeral here before? Don't be, don't be ashamed, you guys. Come on, it's awesome. Has anyone here ever sponsored a child from an impoverished country because Jesus led you to? Okay, beautiful. Has anyone here ever given to somebody else in need in any way? There we go. These are all admirable acts of serving others. And it's the sort of work that God calls us to do for him. If you have done or currently do these types of work, I encourage you to keep going. What you do matters. It matters to the king of kings. He sees your work. You will be rewarded for it. Keep going. I have the privilege of teaching class 301 here at Peoples in which we get into some detail about God has uniquely wired each and every one of us. I want you to just look at each of your neighbors real quick, just, just look at them. Don't stare at them, that's weird. Just look really, really quick. Are you different than they are? Do you look different than they are, than they do? Probably, well I, I would hope so anyways. What about personality wise? Do you think you're different than they are? Husbands and wives, a little bit. We get into some detail about how uniquely wired each and every one of us are at Class 301. We discuss what we call our SHAPE, which is an acronym for spiritual gifts, HEART, which is sort of like what you have a natural bend towards when you serve other people, uh, your abilities, both natural and God-given, your personality, and your life experiences. We do an honest assessment of these traits and that helps us to navigate towards an area of service where we best fit and find fulfillment as we do God's work in other people's lives. For example, and this goes, this is why I was laughing at Lynn there, with, uh, laughing with Lynn. I'm really not a patient guy when it comes to little kids. They drain me, they drain me big time. I can't keep up with them. And I don't find it in any way appealing to spend lots of time in big crowds of children. There's weird smells too. You guys know. 
<laughs> okay, never mind. So I'm probably not the best fit to serve in the little people's classroom where my lovely wife is admirably serving this morning on a Sunday morning. If Angela had nobody else, sure, I'd, I'd help out. But it would be painful because it's really not in my shape to do so. And you know what? That's okay. The same goes for you in many areas. As a matter of fact, there will probably be more areas where you're not really a fit than there are areas where you're a really good fit when it comes to serving others. Because that's how God has wired you. You don't have to compare yourself to the next person. God's wired you perfectly the way you are. And God doesn't make mistakes. So if he wired you a specific way, you can bet he has a purpose for that. He's got somewhere for you to get involved. I'm gonna get the band to come up here um, as I sort of finish things off. Um, And I I wanna end like this. Earlier I talked a little bit about your job in the marketplace not being like the end all be all of the work that God has for you. But you better believe that he wants to use your job as a big vehicle to accomplish his work as well. Okay, that's a part of it. It's a part of his work. So check out this video that I chose to exemplify this. I'd say what was missing was the satisfaction. My life before Christ was uh, focused on making money. My life before Christ was uh, a totally day in and day out uh, existence that was, uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, uh, uh, an existence of self-absorbance. And, you know, just doing what you normally do when you're trying to maintain a career in the movie business. Loving Jesus is what's most important to me. And I I know that sounds hokey, but it's the truth. My life is God's life in me for him to do with what he wants. My wife and I were living in Tucson, Arizona about 16 years ago almost, and through the family we hired this cleaning woman. She's working with us for about two weeks and my wife kind of notices her singing that she does every day in her work. Eventually, after a few more days of this, went to Augusta and said, you know, I noticed your singing and um, I was just curious, you know, why is every song about Jesus, uh, perhaps there's another tune in your repertoire, so to speak. Um, and Augusta had a very interesting reaction uh, to the question. She literally burst out laughing in my wife's face. <laughs> I just had to do that, sorry. And Augusta said, you know, again, um, understand that the reason that I'm laughing is uh, you think the only reason that I'm here is to clean your house. Uh, so my wife, she says, honey, um, I, I'd like to share with you something that Augusta just told me. And I said, what's that, dear? And she said, uh, well, she just explained to me that the real reason she's here is because in the future, 
you and I are going to become born-again Christians, and at some point after that, we're going to have our own ministry. And I said, really? Hmm. At that point in my career, I was making more money than I could ever wildly imagine, and just to, to hear uh, that idea vocalized at that point in time was utterly ridiculous. Uh, but um, that's the beginning of the journey for me. When I got to a place of willingness to just simply say to myself, okay, I'm willing to believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and I'm now going to ask God to show me what that means, and I'm gonna read the Bible and apply it to my life to the best of my ability, to have that understanding, that's when uh, this whole experience became very, very real for me. I'm Stephen Baldwin, I am second. There is no plan B. You are God's plan A for this world. Jesus died <clears throat> so that you would be able to be a part of it. And if you're still breathing, then it's not too late for you to jump in and get involved. But here's your starting point. When Jesus was beginning his ministry on earth, he called his disciples to come follow him. And he used some very specific wording. He said to Peter and Andrew, who were seasoned fishermen, I mean, they were pros at their craft. It says in Matthew 4.19, Jesus calling to them, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The key phrase is I will make you you, I will make you. You don't accomplish the work God has for you simply by just doing. That's just volunteerism. That's just completing a task. No, if you truly want to not just work, but do work that has a, a high purpose attached to it, <clears throat> you must allow Jesus to make you what he's calling you to be. How do you do this? Surrender. Surrender. Simple, surrender. Stop working in vain for selfish ambition. Start looking at how you can serve others in Jesus' name, even at your seemingly mundane Monday to Friday job, because God can take the mundane and turn it into the sort of stuff that turns the world upside down. He can turn each day into an adventure He said to Peter and Andrew, who were obviously, as I said, experienced fishermen, I will make you fishers of men. They went from catching fish to, making, uh, to, to make a living for themselves to being apostles of the early church, which, I'll remind you, is the biggest and most important movement in the history of this planet, the church, because they allowed Jesus to do his thing in their lives. And you can bet they had no idea what to expect. <laughs> Could you imagine? They just obeyed and surrendered. They weren't educated in anything fancy or special. They, weren't, they didn't go to seminary school. They were fishermen. They just obeyed and surrendered. Are you a carpenter or a builder of sorts? Maybe Jesus is calling you to follow him and be a builder of men, a mentor or an encourager, or a prayer warrior. 
Are you a mechanic? Maybe Jesus is calling you to be a restorer of men through reaching out to those who are hurting and pointing them in in the direction of the ultimate healer. Are you a nurse? Or maybe someone who runs a day home? Maybe Jesus is calling you to be a nurturer for people who are broken. Perhaps running a small group or even a celebrate recovery group. Whatever Jesus is calling you to, it will require you to allow him to make you whatever he wants to. I promise you, you will never regret it in this life as you will find meaning and fulfillment through living out your God-given purpose. But you're also promised, as we discussed earlier, an eternal reward that thieves cannot steal and rust or moth cannot destroy. In other words, it lasts forever. So don't shy away from doing the work Jesus has called you to. Lean into it with, with the expectation of him bringing real purpose to everything you touch. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes in, in, in prayer. And if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior and maybe you're feeling a prompting in your heart today, that's just the Holy Spirit letting you know that, hey, I'm here, I'm calling you, I'm inviting you. And all you have to do is respond. Maybe you've been toiling from before morning till late at night and you're tired of doing it, tired of doing it for nothing. Maybe you're craving purpose and fulfillment. If this sounds like you, it's as simple as receiving a gift by faith from Jesus Christ, from the Lord God. And you can pray along quietly with me in your heart. He knows your heart, he knows your thoughts. If you wanna receive him to be your personal Lord and Savior right here, right now, you pray along quietly with me. Say something like this, Lord Jesus, Today's the day. I'm stepping over that line of faith. I'm done pushing you away. I'm done avoiding you. I want to fully invite you to come into my life, into my heart, and engage with me. I'm choosing by faith to believe that you died on the cross for my sins so that now I can be forgiven for them. And I thank you for that forgiveness. I'm choosing this morning by faith to believe that you rose again. You're not dead. You didn't remain in that tomb. But God, you are fully alive. Jesus, you're fully alive and you're with me. So I invite you, help me to learn how to love myself, how to love other people, and how to love you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now let's pray for everybody, for, the, for all of us here. Lord, uh, we want to start afresh with you this morning. We want to surrender to you. We give you the green light. We give you permission. We know that you're calling each and every one of us to something. Lord, I pray that you make us what you want to. Make me what you want to, Lord. I give it up to you. Help me to serve. Help me to do the work that needs to be done. Thank you that you have this great work for me that you planned for me before I was even born. Help us to make a difference in this world. To build your kingdom and to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, 
Amen. Have a great rest of your day. And if you get the day off tomorrow, hope that you guys enjoy it. Get some relaxation time, but not too much because there's work to be done. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Thank you.